Worshipping. Be faithful by worshipping. We see here a call to worship in verse 1. Sing aloud uh, to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Uh, There are three aspects of worship that I see in these first few verses. First of all, the worship of the Lord should be passionate. It should be uh, passionate. Hey, before before we get into that, how would you define worship? We use that term a lot. What, what, what is worship? Anybody got an idea what worship is? How would you define it? For joy to the God of Jacob. And it does say shout. That Hebrew word there translates.
can be planned or spontaneous. Notice what it says there in verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Now, if someone's singing to God, they're singing here uh, the songs that Asaph leads them to sing. Shouting out to God. I believe planned and spontaneous worship are important. I was reading Warren Wearsby today, and he made this point. He said, if all our worship is planned, you have unity. Everybody's on the same page, but no diversity. People aren't worshiping God uh, with their own personality and their own emotions. If all your worship is spontaneous but not planned, then you have diversity in worship but no unity. I'm calling out to him, I'm shouting, I'm amening, I'm praising him, hallelujah. Uh, but also there's the, the, the planned aspect where I'm singing with the people of God. We're singing the same song to the same God with the same doctrinal truth. So in, in corporate worship there should be this diversity, we're worshiping God individually, but also this unity, we're worshiping God together. And we see this here in this first verse, sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Israel. Uh, uh, it's important that we have passionate worship. So let me ask you a question. Right. If someone hung around with you, all right, for a few days, including a Sunday, would they describe you as a passionate worshiper? Would they say, you know, boy, they, their heart's really in it. They are passionate about the Lord. They're not just going through the motions. They're not just mouthing words. I mean, they are, they are truly engaged in worshiping God. Would they call you a, a passionate worshiper? The worship of the Lord should be passionate because he is worthy of passionate worship. He's worthy of us giving our all in worship. Secondly, the worship of the Lord should be biblical. He says, raise the song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. So there's instruments used in worship. Um, there are, and I'll just comment here, and I'm not trying to be uh, ugly, but there are denominations and church traditions that don't believe you should use instruments in worship, that you should just use the instrument of the voice singing a cappella. Well, clearly there, verse 2 is talking about instruments, tambourines, harps. Well, people from those backgrounds would say, well, we want to just be New Testament worshipers. We want to just worship the way the New Testament does, and you don't see any instruments used in the New Testament worship of the church. Now, just because you don't see it mentioned doesn't mean they weren't used, but, but that's one of the arguments that we only worship in a New Testament way. You know what the New Testament tells us? New Testament tells us to worship singing psalms, hymns, and what? Spiritual songs, right? 
So if you're singing psalms, you're singing about instruments, right? If, if psalms are part of who you are, then as a matter of fact, some of the psalms say use accompaniment. When you, when you sing this song, use instruments. And so there certainly is, uh, I believe, and this is just who we are as a church, there, there's no prohibition against using uh, instruments in corporate worship. And there's no, there's no prohibition against specific instruments in corporate worship. The, the emphasis seems to be if you've got a skill set, an instrument, use it passionately for the glory of God. Some people are okay with instruments, but they're not, they're not okay with all instruments. Can I get amen? Right? Uh, but but I, I believe any instrument used for the glory of God is an instrument that can uh, be used in worship. Uh, the, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago, when the organ was first used in corporate gatherings of Christians, that some of the Christians who were used to singing a cappella called the, the organ the devil's instrument. Do you know that? I mean, who would call an organ today the devil's instrument? No one. Why? It's been used so long, right? And so we've got to be very careful about calling certain instruments devil's instruments uh, when they're not prohibited by Scripture. That was all extra. I didn't even intend to say that. So that was extra tonight. Free of charge, all right? Uh, but we get to verse 3. Well, here's what I wanted to say. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. Why? It is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made a decree, a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I had a language. I hear a language I had not known. So he's speaking here of God giving them commandments about how they should worship. And so God spoke about uh, some of their corporate worship gatherings. Now, uh, scholars believe this uh, phrase, uh, or the verse, verse 3, about the new moon and the full moon, refers to Leviticus chapter 23. In Leviticus chapter 23, we see an emphasis on the seventh month on the Jewish calendar, which is roughly the fall of our year. And on the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, some important things happened. The, the, the first day of that month was the Feast of Trumpets, uh, an important feast um, that was uh, really marking the end of one agricultural year and marking the begin beginning of a new agricultural year. So it's looking back at God's provision, looking forward to what God was going to do and, and, and celebrating. It's kind of the equivalent of our New Year's Day, kind of a fresh start kind of day. Uh, still celebrated by uh, uh, Orthodox Jews Day. You've ever heard the phrase Rosh Hashanah? That would be this day, this, this day. Uh, and uh, probably that reference there in verse 3 to the new moon, blowing the trumpet at the new moon, is referencing the Feast of Trumpets. By the way, word trumpet there is the word shofar. There's another word for trumpets in the Bible that speaks of other types of instruments, silver trumpets. That's the book of Numbers. But, um, but these are the ram's horns. You've seen the ram's horn, the shofar, and, and they, would, they would use these in corporate worship. So probably a feast of trumpets. And then in that month, the seventh month of the Jewish year, on the tenth day of that month, there was the Day of Atonement. Okay? Uh, today's called Yom Kippur. All right, Day of Atonement. And this was the day when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, only day of the year, go into the Holy of Holies with blood from slain, uh, slain, slain animals uh, as a, a, a picture of atonement covering the sins of the people. And that was a, a, a holy day, the Day of Atonement. Then on the 15th day of that seventh month, there was the Feast of Booths. Okay, another feast prescribed in Leviticus 23, um, probably referred to when it says there the full moon. The feast day on the full moon, that's a reference to the Feast of 
booths. The Feast of Booths was a reminder of God's provision during the wilderness wanderings. You know, when the Lord led them out of Egypt and they did not go into the promised land, God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for how long? Forty years. And they didn't have a place to call home, but God provided for them. In fact, it says at the end of that 40 years, years, their shoes had not worn out. That's pretty amazing, right? God provided manna and quail and protected them and watched over them. And this Feast of Booths was a reminder, hey, we didn't have a, a permanent home, but God still took care of us. All right. And so these, this Feast of Trumpets, uh, when it mentions the new moon and the Feast of Booths, the full moon, is probably what's being referred to in verse 3. Basically this, God has told his people, I want you to have these specific days for worship. Now do it. Come together, like I said, and worship me through these feasts. And so God told them how to worship, and they were Called to do that, biblical worship. And God tells us how to worship, right? He gives some guidelines for worship, you know, uh, music and, and instruments and song and prayer and giving and gathering and all these, these biblical ideas of how we worship. And we should worship because it is biblical. And then third, the worship of the Lord should be exclusive. Fast forward down to verse 9 and 10. Remember the, the Psalms about faithfulness and many of the people of Israel were not being faithful. It says in verse 9, or back at verse 8. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. So here's what he's saying. Make sure that you're not worshiping another God. Your worship, your, listen, your mind's attention... Your heart's affection, your will's allegiance should only be mine. That's what God's saying. I'm the Lord your God. Don't give your worship, your devotion, your adoration, your trust to another false God. I'm the one true God. I'm the only one you ought to worship. it make me feel we had, a, we had a great christmas morning uh this past christmas we were at our home um you got up early and we 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 really thought through gifts the kids would would want and and we were able to surprise them on some things and we just i mean we you know i'm not bragging but we nailed it this year okay we we just we just nailed it. it and uh and and so it was a great christmas morning you know uh claire cooked some monkey bread i had a big cup of coffee and the kids were opening their presents and but how would it have made me feel if my kids looked at their presents and they put on their shoes and they walked out the door and went to the neighbor's house and knocked on the door Neighbor came to the door and said, can I help you? And they said, thank you for my presence. Thank you for getting them for me. Thank you for thinking uh, of them like you did. That is perfect. I love this gift. Thank you for what you've done. Now, how would that make me and Claire feel? We thought through it. We did the research. We went to Amazon.com. We went to the stores. We, you know, we, we, did, we did the buying. It was our money, our account. I mean, it would be highly offensive for my kids to go think the neighbor that had nothing to do with it, right? Now, what do you think it looks like from God's perspective when we give our devotion to someone or something else other than him? 
If there's anything good in our life, it's from his hand, right? It's from his hand. And when we worship, you know, anything or anyone else or idolize anyone or anything else, it is an affront. It is, it is disrespectful to the Lord who is the source of everything good. And so our worship should be exclusive. No one else, nothing else deserves our mind's attention, heart's affection, will's allegiance. Amen? In worship. And so we should be faithful by worshiping and worshiping God alone. Secondly, we should be faithful by remembering. By remembering. Look what it says in verse 6. In Not over the land of Egypt, so he's speaking here of their time in Egypt. And in verse 6, he says, I relieved your shoulder of the burden, your hands were free from the basket, and the stress you called, I delivered you, I sent you over the place of thunder, I tested you with the waters of Meribah, Selah. This is a reference to Exodus. If you read the book of Exodus, you'll read um, in extensive form what's mentioned in summary here. Uh, you remember that story? Uh, the people of uh, Israel were in Egypt, and they were in bondage to slavery, and Pharaoh was increasing their burden and mistreating them, and they cried out to God, God help, deliver us. And so God sent Moses, you know, appeared to him at the burning bush, said, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, right? And, and he sent Moses, and, and Moses said, let my people go, and Pharaoh wouldn't do it, and so God sent how many plagues? How many? Seven, higher? Ten plagues, right? Sent ten plagues. And, and, and after he sent these ten plagues, they were devastating to Pharaoh. This is the last plague, the death of the firstborn son. So Pharaoh said, let, get out of here. You know, Hebrew people leave, and they left. And then Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued them. And so God parted the waters of the Red Sea, led them across on dry ground. After they got across, Pharaoh's army pursued them, and God stopped holding back the waters. The Red Sea came back over the uh, army of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's army was decimated. God's people were safe. God miraculously delivered them from Egyptian bondage and slavery. That's what he's talking about there in verse 6. You were under the burden of slavery. I relieved your shoulder of burden. You, your hands are free from the basket. Probably speaking of the baskets of bricks they would carry around to build Pharaoh's buildings. You, you called in distress. I delivered you. I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. Maybe refer, reference to Mount Sinai. So it's referring to God delivering his people. They, and he said, remember, your singing song Shouting to God, remember what I did for you. So he said, you should be faithful by remembering. Which, 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 what, 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 what should they remember? Remember his deliverance, verse 6. And by the way, we know, don't we, that the, the deliverance of Israel from Egypt is a picture of our deliverance from Egypt. Right? They, they sacrificed the Passover lamb the night before they were rescued from Egypt. Passover lamb was Jesus Christ who shed his blood for us so that we could be set free from sin and self and Satan and live in relationship with God. That's good news. And so just like Israel's been delivered, you and I have been delivered, haven't we? We've been set free. We've been rescued by God. And so just like Israel should remember their deliverance, we should, we should remember our deliverance. Let me tell you my favorite kind of people to be around. I love being around folks that just can't get over the fact that they're saved. They just can't get over it. And I've been around folks that have been saved for decades, and it's like they just can't get over it. 
That they're born again. They're, they've, they've been redeemed. They've been rescued by Jesus. They, they just can't get over how awesome it is to be saved. I love being around folks like that. It, it, uh, it cranks my tractor, right? And, and so we should remember his deliverance. Secondly, we should remember his patience. Look in verse 7. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Now what is that talking about? The waters of Meribah. It's interesting he says, I tested you. Because actually, uh, over in Exodus 17, we see that they were testing the Lord. And God was allowing it to happen to test them. They thought they were testing God. God was really testing them. But after God delivered them from slavery and decimated Pharaoh's army, they're in the wilderness and they don't have any water. And they start saying things like, well, we had water in Egypt. We, I mean, he brought us out here for this. And after God has shown his power, instead of humbly saying, Lord, would you give us water? They murmured and complained, right? At, at Meribah. But you know what? God doesn't decimate them. You know what God does? He gives them water. He, he gives them water. Uh, he tells Moses to strike the rock and, and, and the water uh, 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 comes out and, and it's amazing how God uh, showed his patience there to them, which also leads to the next one, remember his provision. Not only did he not decimate them, he, uh, he provided for them. And just like Israel, we need to remember his deliverance. We need to remember his patience with us. Have you ever needed the Lord's patience? You think you've ever ever tested the Lord's patience before? Anybody in here? Anybody? Yeah, we all have, haven't we? I mean, if, if God wasn't forbearing with us, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? But he's patient. He's patient. And, he's, and he provides for us, just like he provided for the people of Israel. So, so he calls them to worship, and he calls them to remember. He, he's, he's causing them, as they're gathered to worship, to look back over all that God had done for them. And he's going to get to the main point here in a minute. Hey, why would you worship any other God when I'm the one that delivered you? I'm the one that was patient with you. I'm the one that provided for you water in the desert. Why would you turn to any other God? Listen to me. That's the point of this psalm. And so he calls them to be faithful by remembering his grace in their lives. I remember in high school, I got introduced to the idea of mnemonic devices uh, where you... Uh, use, you know, use something attached to something else to remember that something. So like, uh, you know, if, uh, if um, uh, you're trying to remember somebody's name, you might attach a, you know, a, a food to their name uh, in order to re- remember their name. That, that's why I, I, mean, I always think of Bob as Blueberry Bob, because that's how I just, I just made that up right then. Uh, but, it, but um, uh, Bob's an easy one. Um, Bob's my neighbor, so but uh, but you know it's a mnemonic device, something to help you remember something, and 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 if you can kind of help you remember it, it, it comes back to your mind more quickly. Well, you and I need some spiritual mnemonic devices. Well, I don't know why, but we need help remembering, and God knows that, so that's why He gave us the Bible, right? Every time you read the Bible, you know what you're doing? You're remembering what God has done for you, right? More on this Sunday. So be back Sunday morning, all right? He gave us the Lord's Supper. Remember what Jesus said? Do this in what? Remembrance of me. He gave us Bible teachers and preachers to to remind us of the spiritual realities concerning what God has done for us. 
So we need to be faithful by worshiping and faithful by remembering. And third, faithful by hearing. By hearing. Look in verse 8. Verse 8. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. Look in verse 11. But my people did not listen. That's the same Hebrew word as the word translated here in verse 8. It's the Hebrew word shema. My people did not listen to my Oh, that my people would listen to me. Same word, Shema, hear, listen. This word, Shema, basically means to pay attention to. That's what the word means. So what does that mean for the people of Israel? What does that mean for us? Is a very key statement. You ready? When God speaks, we should pay close attention to what he says. When God speaks... We should pay close attention. We should hear what he has to say. If, um, what if you were told, hey, in your mailbox when you get home, there'll be a letter in that mailbox from God. All right? Let's just say that you believe that to be true. And when you got home, would you check your mailbox? course right i mean you want to know what god had to say right listen that's what your bible is right it's god speaking so if the bible is god speaking to us breathed out by the lord through human instruments that's what it is we should pay close attention to it right close attention to it some people just say well I uh, I just wait for God to speak to me in an audible voice, or you know, I want God to write it on the wall. You know, I, I I'm I'm looking for some other revelation. You know what I believe? I believe God. Right? The Word. And so instead of looking for all this other revelation, go to your Bible and say, God has spoken. And I ought to pay close attention. I ought to to pay close attention when He speaks. But do you do that? Do you pay close attention to God's Word? I just bought some new headphones. My dad gave me a gift card for... Christmas, and so I bought some some headphones to run in, and they warn you with these headphones, uh, listen, if you're outside with these things, be careful because they may uh, keep you from hearing a vehicle, right? Um, so it's basically like run at your own risk with these headphones on. So uh, they warn you because, that, that, you know, it's just you can't hear good with the headphones in. Well, I think a lot of times we must look from God's perspective like someone running down the road with headphones in, oblivious, Right? Oblivious to what God has said. It's like God is speaking to us through his word and we got our headphones in. Right? We're not, we're not paying attention to what God has already said. Now I'm going to make a case on Sunday morning. Be here Sunday, all right? Come on back Sunday. I'm going to make a case Sunday morning that you need to have a plan, a one-year plan or a two-year plan, to at least sometime in that year you read the book of Habakkuk and the book of Micah and Leviticus 
and Hebrews and all 66 books over some period of time. It doesn't have to be a year, but maybe two years' time, but some plan to make sure you are paying close attention to everything God says. I mean, if it wasn't important, if Jude wasn't important, he wouldn't have put it right there before Revelation. Amen? I mean, God, he's, he's God. If he gives us his word, it's important. And so we ought to hear, we ought to pay close attention to God's word, which leads to the last way that you and I are called to be faithful in this psalm. We should be faithful by worshiping, faithful by remembering, faithful by hearing. And then number four, faithful by heeding. Faithful by heeding. Not only should we hear God's word, we should heed God's word. Look in verse 11. But my people do not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. So, you know, they were, they were not listening to me. They wouldn't submit to me. They wouldn't do what I said. Then look in verse 8. Here are my people. Well, I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me, hear me. But then uh, in verse uh, 12 it says, uh, verse 11, My people would not listen to my voice, Israel would not submit to me. So not only would they not hear God, they would not heed God. They would not submit to his way. Let me give you three statements about heeding God's word. Number one, the Lord expects hearers of his word to be doers of his word. They wouldn't listen, they wouldn't submit. So we should listen to God's voice, we should hear God's voice, and then we should heed what he says. We should submit to him. We should do what he tells us to do. James 1.22 says uh, that the Lord is looking not just for hearers of the word, but for doers of the word. Amen? The Lord is, listen, the Lord is not impressed by Bible knowledge. Is Bible knowledge important? Yes. But did you know you can have Bible knowledge and live in disobedience? Did you know you can have Bible knowledge and be far from God? You believe that? Did you know you could have books of the Bible memorized and be lost? How do you know that? The Pharisees. Jesus said, you're searching the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, but they testify of me. John chapter 5. If you, if you really were into the word, you would see that it's about me, and you would follow me. You would, you would hear, and then you would heed. And so the Lord expects hearers of his word to be doers of his word. Knowledge is very important because you can't obey what you don't know, but it doesn't stop at knowledge. You learn God's word, and then you heed God's word. You adjust your life to live according to it. We should heed God because he knows what's best for us. Look in verse 12. So they wouldn't submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. In other words, the Lord's saying, oh, you think you know what's best? You think you got life figured out? You're going to ignore me? Well, go, go try it out see how that works for you. You know what's terrifying? What's terrifying is, is not the thought, even though it could be terrifying, of the Lord intervening and disciplining you to, to get your attention. That's what God does when he's a loving father. But to me, a terrifying prospect is God saying, hands off, do what you want. And letting you make your own mistakes and, and live according to your own um, decisions. So we should heed God because he knows what's best for us. Third, we should heed God because there's blessing when we do. Look in verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies, turn my hand against their foes. 
Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him. Their fate would last forever, but he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock. I would satisfy you. So the Lord's saying, if you listen to me, you will experience provision from me. You'll experience protection. I'll, 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 I'll come against your enemies if you will listen to me. So we should heed God because there's blessing when we do. I actually made this statement to one of my kids the other day. All right. I said, if you will, and hey, you're free to use this, by the way. All right. I said, if you will listen to me and your mom and and do what we tell you to do uh, with a good attitude, you can't believe how good your life will be. saying if, if you if you just listen to me you cannot believe how good it is when you walk according to my word you can't believe the ways that i will bless you and so we should heed god because there's blessing when we do d.a carson writes this summary statement thus the psalm deals with the great central issues of the bible redemption god's activity and response our worship and hearing and heeding The people who are brought out of Egypt become at once people under the word of God, which they are called to hear and obey. So this Psalm 81 is a call to the people of God to be faithful. faithful. How can we be faithful? By worshiping, by remembering, by hearing, and by hearing. Any questions tonight before we uh, close? Any questions from Psalm 81 tonight? Any questions? Next week, uh, be back next week. We're going to talk about the government next week, Psalm 82. So it's about uh, getting into politics next week. So that'll be fun. So be here next week for that. I'm going to clear it all up for you next week. All that, yeah, it's, it's going to, yeah, you'll leave here and you will, uh, you'll be fully um, in the know on political issues. Just kidding, kidding. But there are some biblical principles to guide us, so we will do that. Any questions? Brendan, you have a question? Speaking of Egypt, speaking of them being in Egypt. The language had not known, speaking of them being in Egypt. Yeah. Yep. Any other uh, questions from this psalm or from this idea of being faithful? Any questions tonight? Is it going to snow on Friday? What do we think? Are we thinking it's going to snow, not snow? What do we think? I don't know about... Please, just please, you know. Uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we'll see. If, be careful out there if it does snow and ice, and uh, we'll see you on the Lord's Day, uh, Lord willing. Have a great rest of the week. Let me pray for us tonight. Just bow your hands, close your eyes. I want to just listen just a, a brief time of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed.
I wonder if you would just spend just a, just a few moments in response to uh, Psalm 81. Would you just ask God for help to be faithful in these areas? A faithful worshiper, a faithful rememberer, uh, a faithful hearer, a faithful heeder. Would you just ask God to just help you to be faithful, to grow in that? Would you ask God to perhaps make you a, uh, or grow you, develop you into a, just a, a more passionate worshiper? more fervent student of God's word. A more faithful obeyer of God's word. Just God just to do that in your life. And we just spend a moment just saying thank you, remembering, just remembering your rescue. The day that you met Christ, the day you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just say thank you for salvation. Thankful, be thankful for his patience in your life. Be thankful for his provision. I mean, you woke up this morning. You have shoes on your feet. You had a, a meal today. Provision, just provision. Just thank God for that. Father in heaven, may we be a church full of passionate, faithful worshipers. God, would you do that in our lives? Lord, work in our lives now and in the remainder of this week and leading into the Lord's Day, God, may we come together Sunday exuberant and excited about worshiping the living God. Excited about lifting up the, the mighty name of Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. Lord, we're grateful for your goodness. We're grateful, Lord, for your mercy. We're grateful, Lord, for your love. We're grateful, Lord, for your unfailing presence, your unfailing activity in our lives. What a mighty and gracious God we serve. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.